Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks, the final episode of 2021. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me, as always, is Mike Hampton. Mike, what's up? Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, everyone, indeed. And it's, uh, you know, a little better than last year, right? <laughs> yeah, I would, I, would, I would say so. I mean, it's, it's for, definitely for been a good year for us. <laughs> yeah, we've had a good year. Yeah. Last year, this time, I was sick with COVID. Me, me too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because yeah, you're the one who gave it to me. <laughs> mm, well, it's well. <laughs> not all I gave you. <laughs> so before we get into this year's awesome New Year's special, let's go ahead and talk about our sponsors. Now, of course, the promo code is Uncle Dad Talks, and that saves you 25% off each partner's website. And those partners include Tattoo Care by Lucky13. Go to protectyourink.com. Energy Drinks by Rep Sports. Go to reppsports.com. And of course, the best sleeping product, Sleeping Aid Around, the one and only Cloudy at tricloudy.com. Promo code Uncle Dad Talks, all lowercase for each of them to save 25% off your purchase. All right. Very so good. before we go into our guest and what we're kind of talking about, you know, we already, we've talked about video games in the past. We talked about what they mean to me and, you know, classic, what classic video games mean to you. But this specific game we're going to talk about is celebrating its fifth year anniversary. Uh, it actually came out in November 15th of uh, 2016. So it just celebrated a five-year anniversary. And I think this game is more relevant now than it even was back then. And it reminded me, uh, Mike, in 16, then Trump had just became president, right? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. So this was right. So obviously it was made before then, right? So they didn't even foresee Trump being a part of the president and all these things happening during, you know, what's happened in the past few years. If only they could have like just waited, I think the game would have been even more impactful, man. Uh, now I know you have not played this game and that's totally cool, but you know something about it. Uh, the game we were talking about is Watch Dogs 2 by Ubisoft Montreal or Ubisoft, depending on who you talk to. Now, Watch Dogs 2 is the sequel to Watch Dogs, which is one of the most, probably one of the most like infamous games out there that was supposed to be this promising game. Watch Dogs 1 was supposed to be this huge promising game with all this crazy interactive interactivity, these crazy like environments. But unfortunately, it didn't really deliver fully on its promise. Watch Dogs 2, however, delivered on everything and much more. And not only did it deliver on that, it also it also takes place in our home of San Francisco Bay Area, which includes the Oakland area, uh, Salcedo, and the uh, obviously San Francisco, and then Silicon Valley itself. Yeah, and the first one took place in Chicago. I don't know if you're aware of that, Mike, but yeah. Go Chicago. Go Chicago, yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know where they're going, but go. <laughs> but, you know, Mike, uh, to kind of uh, dive into the game real quick, you've looked into it a little bit. You've seen uh, some of the game. Um, did you think, for the most part, San Francisco was represented well? Yes. I mean, from the from the previews and videos I watched of it, it looked like this very majestic, almost dreamlike version of San Francisco. Um, and in the previews, I did see they were even included a lot of the trash on the ground. Yes, yes. Uh, there's definitely uh, some a, a very much a fanciful take on this uh san francisco but there it definitely isn't as much as a shithole as san francisco is because let's be honest it's pretty shitty there yeah <laughs> i don't I mean, mean like the city shitty but like the 
the how streets you the streets are literally shitty that's true <laughs> human shit <laughs> that is very true yes uh but you know hey different time right i was uh, that was how many years ago five years ago you know different yeah <laughs> yeah maybe less than I maybe less than less feces less feces. i actually saw someone taking a shit in san francisco on the street once like i oh, first saw it come out <laughs> is that true that's very true i wouldn't say a such thing does unless that, it was true does that scar you for life uh <laughs> <laughs> no more taking shits in public <laughs> I, I saw something else happening at a bart station which i'm not going to talk about on the on this episode but all right off mic off mic, off mic yeah. <laughs> oh that's that's going to be your next show off mic with mike <laughs> oh Ooh, i like it yeah. um but we are speaking to uh and i apologize for that intro but <laughs> we are speaking to um a very talented man uh who has been in tons of tv shows including um uh, power uh, on stars uh into the, the super hit insecure um uh, seals our navy seals on i think it's nbc or cbs uh i mean the dude has been on tons of stuff and he was the voice of the lead character the one and only roof and princess uh will be on the show today so i'm very excited to talk to him about that talk about the celebration of this game then kind of the impact it's had on gaming and also this to see the how gaming has changed and how relevant that game was and also talk about his career and what he has coming up. Uh, so let us celebrate the new year by celebrating a five-year anniversary uh, with Much Dogs 2 with Mike and Uncle Dad. We'll be right back. <laughs> hey, how's it going? My name is Tion Buku One. I'm a skateboarding, graffiti writing, bowling son of a Black Panther. And I'm Yula. <laughs> and we are the co-hosts of the Black Russian Podcast. Our podcast is a deep dive into relationships from monogamy, non-monogamy, open, poly, and whatever other labels that us wacky humans come up with. Let's go beyond the assumptions, beyond the stigmas, stereotypes, and most definitely beyond the judgment. We share our highs, lows, face plans and triumphs of trying to love in ways that fit us individually while we continue our journey through life together. With topics like yuck and yums, poly trendy, how does it really feel, and tour life, tour wife, we discuss how to build and define relationships that are tailor-made for you. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest. All from a soulful perspective. Now let's be clear, let's we don't advocate clear. any one relationship style over the other. Nah. We advocate any and all relationships that encourage truth, honesty, and the freedom to do it how you do it. Deconstruct, decolonize, and rebuild in your own way with a Black Russian podcast. Sure. Available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody. Uncle Dad here with Mike Hampton with our amazing guest, the one and only Rufin Prentice. Ruffin. Am I saying your name right, Rufin, or no? Or it's, Ruffin? I, I, it's Ruffin. It's Ruffin. Okay, gotcha. Ruffin. Gotcha. He is nervous. <laughs> uh, to be fair, to be fair, Mike said the same thing. Just saying. No, I, do, I just I didn't say it on Mike, though. <laughs> That's a good point. Good point. <laughs> In front hey, of him. <laughs> it, it, ha it happens all the time. It yeah, all the time. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so, you know, for for... Our audience that don't know, we kind of gave a whole introduction about Watch Dogs 2 and stuff, but let's talk about you as, as an actor. You know, you're not just a voice actor, you're, you are an actor. And I think truthfully, that's the big key, right? Everybody always goes, oh, what does it take to be a voice actor? But I recently heard it's not about being a voice actor, it's about being an actor. And I yeah, think sure. that that's truly like one of the best things I, I have taken from talking to other voice actors is, is about being an actor. So let's talk about that with you. You have been on 
uh, some awesome shows like Insecure, Power, stuff like that. Uh, how did how did that whole journey start getting to that? Uh, you know, it's been everyone's journey is different. Uh, I went and got my master's at Rutgers in New Jersey in acting. And uh, from there, you know, I spent like three years just really honing my craft. And uh, I had some great teachers in undergrad who kind of pointed me in the grad school direction. So I did that, graduated. I got my agents straight out of grad school. We had like a showcase in New York. Um, and so I got my agents for voiceover, for theater and television, all that, all in one place, which was nice. Um, and uh, I've been with them ever since. I'm with a agency called A3 Agents, uh, A3 Artists Agency. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, they started sending me out for auditions. You know, they got me in some rooms. I, I, I was in, like super green, didn't know what the heck I was doing. I'm like in the room for Star Wars, like auditioning for Finn. And I'm oh, like, whoa, <laughs> like, you, like you want to talk about like nerves? Nerve, <laughs> oh, I'm know? sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, my, my first uh, TV gig was Power. And uh, I actually auditioned for a role, another role. And from that audition, they gave me the role that I got. But like the audition scene uh, was, it had like two scenes I could choose. One was like in a strip club. And like one was like with Ghost with his gun pointed at me, like, why'd you betray me? And the casting director was like, we got, we only have time for one. And I was like, I'm gonna do a strip club scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Dad so, would do the strip club scene as well. If that was real. Uh, well you know, like, I'm like, I'm not trying to die today. I don't need a gun pointed at me. Let's just do the strip club scene. So uh, I had a lot of fun, man. That was my first TV gig. Really? And from there, you know, it's just kind of slow and steady. Um, started booking some recurrings. I did some stuff on elementary with Lucy Liu. And uh, then I did a show with my, my now wife. She was then my fiance. Um, we did a show on the E-Network called The Arrangement together. Uh, where I got to play like this jazz pianist. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I don't play piano, but that's the cool thing about being an actor. I've been on SEAL team where I played the EOD tech and, you know, got to get my Hurt Locker on, um, <laughs> which mm -hmm. was a lot of fun. And then, yeah, most recently Insecure, uh, which being around Issa Rae and that energy, that HBO energy, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, they just tell stories a little different. I like that HBO energy, man. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I work with some, some great, great companies, but HBO, just great storytelling, you know, Secession, Game of oh, Thrones, all of that. Sure. You know, they, just, they just make great work. So that was a real pleasure. Yeah. So, so I have to ask really quickly then, what's your favorite HBO show? Oh, like all time? All time. I know what mine is. I'll tell you mine real quick. Mine's The Wire. I was, I, I mean, I think I gotta go The Wire. Um, it's just so, I, I, the, the season in the, uh, where are they? Like on the boat yard? I think it's season two. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everything else, I'm like, yeah, right. the, the wire is my, my show, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike, what's yours? Do you have a favorite HBO show? Mm. Was Treme on HBO? Yeah. It was. Okay. I watched it on, you know, streaming, whatever now, but I love, I mean, I'm originally from New Orleans, so I love that show. Oh, like, yeah, same sure. writer, you know, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. A lot of the same actors, too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about like the the HBO energy because it's it does seem to have a very specific type of type of energy, right? Like a type of presence. You know, the shows that they're putting out right now, I think, are something 
unparalleled to most, you know, I think it was like the Netflix before or after Netflix, right? Because Netflix to me right now, it's kind of hit or miss where HBO is just putting out content that's just so high grade. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you on some of those shows too, man. I would love to see you on like, I mean, I know it's canceled now, but like Lovecraft Country would have been awesome to see you on. <laughs> my, my wife was actually in Lovecraft Country. Really? Uh, yeah, she played Josephine Baker. Um, there's an episode where Anjanu Ellis's character goes back in time. It's the episode like where she goes into the future. Okay. And then they spit, send her into a couple different portals to see who she, she's trying to find herself. And gotcha. she's in the, my, my wife plays Josephine Baker and they do like this big dance number. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's my connection to love. <laughs> gotcha. I like, I, I, that's crazy. Like I knew that. <laughs> um, when, now, when we talk about like the, the overall like acting experience, you know, we know it's a different experience than voice acting. So then how did the voice acting thing kind of come to fruition? Um, you know, I wish I wish I could say I had like a like a legit answer. We had a teacher while I was at Rutgers who taught us voiceovers, but it was more so like commercial voiceovers, you know, like and I do I do a ton of those like uh, 2019. I was the voice of Verizon. So I did all their TV, radio, all those spots. Right. Like I'm doing a campaign right now that I'm, I'm trying to let build, but uh, I'll, I'll announce it later. Um, but I've had a lot of like commercial voiceover success. Um, so he taught us like how to read those scripts and how to play in that. But in terms of like, uh, you know, video game auditioning or even animated series, we don't really get any training. So that's where your acting chops come in hand, right? Like you, now you're, you're looking at the circumstances and you see that sometimes you get an image of the character um, and you're able to look at that character and be like, all right, how, how's that dude talk or how does he stand? And then how does that affect your voice? You know, and then you make your choices from there. So that, in that, in that instance, you know, you really just start to trust your training. Yeah. That's uh. so I, I always thought for some reason, I've always thought voice acting was like almost more involved than um, like, like just, I guess standard acting, but would you say there is a big difference or no? I mean, I, I, I actually think it takes a lot more as a voice actor because a lot of times you're just reading, like if it's dialogue, you're just reading the lines by yourself. You know, like you might not have the other person in the studio with you. And if they haven't recorded their stuff, you can't react to like, you can't say the line based on how they said it. And so, you know, when you're in a TV set, you got the actor right in front of you. I can only react to what you're giving me, right? Like if I did something else, it doesn't ring truthfully. And that's what we're trying to do is tell the truth. So. Uh, I, I definitely think voice acting, you really got to be dialed in, man. Yeah, in a different way. Now, from my understanding, you've only, the only voice acting work like you've done in the game is just for Watch Dogs, correct? That's right. Just, just Watch Dogs and the, just for game work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And now, how did you get the opportunity to be on that? Was that like, did you have to audition like as a, as like a regular, not a regular actor, but how did that audition process work to get that role? Yeah, you know, it was, it was one of those things where, like they gave us like a fake script, fake name of the project. I know it's a video game. I don't even think I knew it was uh, was Ubisoft. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, like, um, but yeah, they give you fake sides and you go in and it almost felt like just a regular TV audition. The casting director's there, the director is there. Uh, you do the sides like normal. And then they have you like walk across the frame at the end. Like you walk one way and walk back. 
because I got to do the mocap as well. Right. Um, and so with that, they want to see how your physicality works and could this physicality fit into the character. Um, but that was, yeah, it was like a normal audition. I, I remember feeling like it went well. And then uh, <laughs> then I got a call back for it. And I was like, yo, I might get this thing. I don't know what it is, but I might get this thing. Because this, this, the character, Marcus, uh, there's a part of me that's very Marcus-like. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's why the gig came to me. And they audition people in Canada, uh, in LA, and New York, all over. So uh, when it happened, I was super grateful, man. Now, were you? Are you a gamer? Or yeah, you know, as a kid, I definitely was a gamer. And when I got into college, I kind of went away from it, sure. other than like playing two K and stuff like that, you know. Um, but once I uh, did this gig. I was like, I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I found myself uh, catching up on games I had missed, like The Last of Us and, you know, which. <sighs> yeah, incredible. Now, now, Mike is not a gamer, so. <laughs> no. No, all good, all good. I, I'm, I'm you where, where you would play a 2K or a Madden here and there. Yeah. Um, I was an early, you know, I played games many years ago not that many years ago but <laughs> he's uh, right <laughs> does, does that be doing a, a voice in such a game such a successful game um does that kind of open up a whole new world of, of connections and friends and people that you've still kept since then i mean definitely with ubisoft specifically sure but like you know i think it may i i audition for video games quite frequently you know uh but it's not one of those things where it's because I did this, the door, the floodgates have opened. Not yet, you know. So we'll see. Which, yeah, which, yeah. which is which is a shame because Watch Dogs Two is such a such a brilliant story. Like it is such a brilliant story. Like, and I'll be I'll be frank. I'll be honest. Like the gameplay, it, it is good. There is some challenges here and there, but it it, it is solid enough. But what makes that game one hundred ten percent is that story. That story is so well written. The way you portray Marcus is so great. And everything about the story and presence of it is. It's great. It's just I think the gameplay was the biggest challenge in some respects. But I mean, I don't know if you know much about the first one, but the first one, you know, had a lot of challenges in the gameplay, right? So um I still think it's the best watchdogs period. So they were they were I think they were playing catch up from the technical end. Mm -hmm. And then also there were, you know, I think there was a split between how people felt about Aiden because he's yes, he's he's Batman-esque, you yes. know. Yes. Um and and you know, depending on which Batman you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, people were split on it, and I, I think the tone shift was yes. so drastic, man, yes. um, to the point where those who were like diehard Aiden fans were like, "Watch Dogs Two is so different. This isn't the game I want," you know. Yes. Um, and then you know, of course, they go to London after that, and it's a completely different vibe. So yes, yes, and it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. For sure. And and we'll definitely dive into that because I know you're in that DLC that came out recently, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that shortly. But before we dive into that, you know, you are a, uh, you're an East Coast guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very proud of the East, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but when you have to do a character set in San Francisco, was there any sort of bias about that? <laughs> I mean, you know, my, my job as an actor is to to look at this person and be like, how do I make him human and, and bring myself to it, right? Sure. Um, I think there are elements of, I've never been to San Francisco. Uh, you know, really? I've been to, no, 
I've been to LA a ton, but I've never been to San Francisco. So yeah, from that standpoint, yes, yeah, and different different vibes. I had a classmate from San Francisco at Rutgers. So I, I was like picking his mind a lot, you know, like what was it like growing up, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Marcus is specifically from Oakland. Yes. So, you know, it, I did my research. I listened to a lot of, you know, music from the Bay. Uh, which, which I want to talk to you about. <laughs> to get in that space, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, then, yeah. The Bay definitely has its its own kind of twang, I guess you yeah. could say, right? Absolutely. You know? The Bay, I mean, you can't claim that about, it's, it's a handful of places that really have their mark and own thing on hip hop, right? And the Bay is one of them, man. Yeah. Like, I, I would even say, nah, I'm not going to do that. It, it might, get, <laughs> might get too political, too controversial. Uh, but but the bay is is one of the one of the big yeah for sure so but you know honestly too like the writers you know Marcus's uh, name is retro and yes. so you know he listens to a lot of old school hip hop as well um, the writers had some really cool ideas about who he was as a person so you take what's on the page and you just kind of build off of that T totally and and that's great because that's you know for me when when you're playing a character specifically you're playing a character from Oakland it's it you know. Oakland has such a personality, you know, uh, Oakland, Berkeley. So Mike actually does a lot of work in the Oakland, Berkeley area. And I'm, we're actually in the San Francisco Bay area. So, right. you know, we know that, that, that culture very well. And so I was hoping to really get that, exp that culture experience from, from Marcus. And I think you did a, a pretty damn good job, but now correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I remember hearing anybody say the word hella though. I, I might have squeezed in one hell of it. But also, you you got to remember, like, the writers of the game live in Montreal. Like, <laughs> right. You know, not only are they not American. Not, no, hold on. Let's, let's break it down to minutia. Not only are they not from the Bay, they're not from the West Coast, they're not American, and they're in Montreal where they speak French. You know, like, this but but the beautiful thing was like if there was any moment that I wanted to uh, say something just a little different, like a little more colloquial, or you know they were completely game for it, um, which was a lot of fun to play with. Right, yeah, because you know I, I, it's kind of like you know how Mike said like we have our own twang, almost have our own language, right? Like it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like a lot of that stuff was in there, and uh, you know I I, I think and on the subject of music. I think I was a little disappointed though on the soundtrack of Watch Dogs too. Not that you had, not that you had anything to do with that, but like, <laughs> but like you know, like when you talk about Bay Area hip hop, it has such a rich history, and the only really songs that I remember really being in there is just like Mac Dre stuff, which is great. That's a big part of you know the Bay Area sure. Mac Dre. But I don't know. I'm just curious though. What were you listening to to get you in that Bay Area mindset? I mean, you gotta go to to E40. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah. I, all of the oohs, you know, ooh. Uh, <laughs> E40, you know, like um, that, that definitely put me there. Uh, honestly, and I, I was watching a lot of, this is silly, but a lot of crumping videos. Um, just, just there's, a, uh, there's a, a different way of dancing that happens out in the Bay Area that's rooted out there, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I wanted to see how that informed like my body movement, how I listen to things, how I approach things. It's a little more staccato and like, it's got more pop to it. Um, and I wanted to bring a little bit of that forward in Marcus. Um, so yeah, man, you know, like just, just little, little bits of the culture, uh, 
but then Marcus is also, you know, he's a programmer and a coder and, you know, and a hacker. And it's just like, that's such a unique story coming out of the Bay Area, still being, having roots in hip hop and being a black man, you know, like, uh, and then, and then being a part of DeadSec. Uh, he's got so many layers, man. And that, that excited me to explore. Right. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up about the, the so many layer aspect, because I feel like now he is much more relevant, even in today's climate. Like, cause I was talking about it with Mike before you hopped on about how I realized this came out 2016, right? right? This came out in November. So Trump had just became president, right? And it's like, you know, and the things that have happened since that point, right, were crazy. And then the things with, you know, what happened during, you know, the pandemic, you know, the George Floyd thing, everything, right? Yep. All this stuff is so heavy. And it's like, if that game would have came out maybe just a year after, or even during the pandemic, right? The, the story could be so immensely different. Yeah. And it, it, it's insane. And I think, truthfully, you are, you know, Marcus is like the, one of the most prominent POC characters in, you know, gaming history. And I think that's something you should be very proud of being a part of because we don't really see that. And, and somebody telling a story, basically saying, you know, we are not going to let people, or we're not going to let big government or big tech or whatever, tell us how our freedom needs to be. I don't know. I don't know if I'm rambling here, but yeah, I just, that's what I really feel right now in that, in that character. I, I appreciate that, man. It, you know, there was, there was an element of, especially like talking to the writers, there was an element of, they knew that the things that they were writing about had potential to really happen in the future. And the fact that they happened so close, like, uh, I, I think it's a congressman running in the game. It's been a while. Yes. Um, yeah. It was a congressman. But yeah. And like, they're using, a social media service to steal data and corrupt voters and, and sway voters. And then it, it happened, yeah, it you know, like it happened. Um, and yeah, like the game has some, some black lives matter, stuff. you know, like it really uh, was ahead of its time. Um, almost, almost in like a, like true foresight situation. So uh, yeah, you know, if, if it comes out later, then people say it's about that, you know, but that's true. For us That's to sit true. here and have this conversation now, I mean, it really is a testament to the creators of the game and their foresight and, and ability to kind of be like, this is this is something that really could happen in the near future. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, when, when like it just like because I'm replaying it right now, and I didn't really just get I didn't really feel that message I guess enough when I was younger because you know that was five years ago you know and. I guess it wasn't that much younger, but, <laughs> um, you know, replaying it, it's like you feel it so much now. And I think it's because you have that, re you know, your resonation of what's happening in the world. Right. And it, it really makes me think that watchdogs can really be a great game of like the voice of the, of the future. Right. Like it really can, you know, maybe say things that we need to say. Right. You know, talk about things we need to talk about, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's so something very special and Watch Dogs 2 is that huge pivotal moment of where the story changes to something modern, serious, and more connected to what's happening right now. Where Watch Dogs 1, in my opinion, was a little hit or miss, you know? Um, I'm sorry, does that make sense? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we talked about the mechanics of the game. Yeah. But in, turn, in, in concept, uh, we'd never seen anything like it when Watch Dogs 1 came out. Sure, sure. Like somebody who's, 
changing the stoplight from their phone while they're driving 90 miles an hour and is about to go kick some ass. Like we've never seen anything like it, you know, but also like you're competing against the GTAs of the world. Yes. Where like yeah. if you're talking about open world gaming, the mechanics of those games and they take years to make those games, like years. Those games are in the lab for years. Um, you know, and when you're when you compare the two, it was like, oh, they've got to catch up, you know what I'm saying? And I think Watch Dogs 2 was a great jump of marrying uh, the, the cool mechanics with a storyline that maybe fitted a little more, you know, um, that made it feel a little more truthful. So, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, if we're talking about games predicting future, then what are we saying about the most, about Legion, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah. What's yeah. happening in London is like, I don't want that to happen. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm good. <laughs> um, now, and, and I want to I want to tackle that. But like, I, I have to ask when the game came out and the response was because it was a pretty successful game, to my knowledge, right? Like it did fairly well, like financially and critically. Watch Dogs 2? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did pretty good, man. Um, I, I think like I said, we were kind of fighting an uphill battle of like uh, Watch Dogs 1 was a solid concept. Um, and how does this game grow um, to a point where it's a, it's a project that they want to continue to make more and more of. Um, and the fact that they made another one means that we did our job. You know, yes. like we got it. We got the franchise to continue. So uh, it, did, it did solid. Um, but I think we were fighting against some of the people that were like, if that was Watch Dogs 1, why would I play Watch Dogs 2? Right. You know? yeah. So we had an uphill battle to fight against. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I used to work at a, at a major gaming retail store when Watch Dogs 2 came out. And mm -hmm. I, I remember everybody was trading in their coffee at Watch Dogs 1 to buy Watch Dogs 2. Oh, and nice. the, we just had so many back, like in the, like the back room, just like because nobody wanted Watch Dogs 1 anymore. So it was a, quite the experience. But when that game came out and, you know, you're fun, you, know, you, are, you essentially are a playable character. Has that like, has any of your friends been like, dude, you're like, did they know, did everybody know that you're a part of this game? And, you know, <laughs> if you knew me, you knew I was a part of this game. <laughs> no, no way I'm not let, like, even if you didn't know me, hey, I just did a video game, like, throw a stranger on, on the street, man, or like walking past, you know, and seeing the Watch Dogs 2 poster and like striking a pose. Like, I was doing yeah. all, all types of silly stuff, man, because it, it was such a big deal. It's a huge deal. Like, yeah. If, I, if I'm talking to my 10-year-old self and he's like, you did what? You know, like, this is like really living out childhood dreams type stuff. And doing the mocap was, it was, uh, you know, like, I, of course, I love working in television. I love acting. I just love acting. But being in uh, mocap where you get to, it's really a lot of imagination um, and a sense of play that reminds me of the theater, but it's also capturing your movements and expressions. It's the perfect blend, man. It was dream job. Nothing. Just I know what the mocap is, but just so the other people who are listening that might not know what that is, what sure. can you explain what it is for those people? Not me, but those people. So mocap is short for motion capture. Um, anytime you've seen uh, someone in like a black spandex suit with the little. Uh, sensors or ball like they're like look like ping pong balls but they're smaller um essentially those are reflectors and there's uh infrared cameras in the 360 around you and they're capturing 
every movement of the bounce of light comes off the infrared onto your sensor and back to it. So it comes back to the computer as like this 3D build out of every movement that you do with your body. Uh, and then they also do this, a similar situation with your face where they draw these little dots on your face. You've got a camera, let's say maybe a foot out from your mouth and it's capturing all those movements as well. And then they transpose them onto the character itself. So that's what motion capture is. Mm -hmm. uh, and we would do all the cinematic scenes. So any scene that like didn't require the game to be playing, it's like you're not in gameplay, but it's it's moving the story along and you get to see the characters actually live out something while you don't have to press any buttons. <laughs> so it's, it's your voice as Marcus, yep. and it's actually you moving around, which translates to Marcus moving around. Correct. Right on. Right. Yeah. So how does except that feel? For, except, except for like the, the ninja stuff, like... <laughs> Uh, ninja stuff. Oh, you yeah, didn't like do the they, ninja? You didn't do the parkour? No. <laughs> yeah, so Marcus does like parkour. Yeah. Uh, he's got a thunderball where he's like, it's almost like a nunchuck with like an eight ball on the end. And he's with a bungee cord and he's like knocking dudes out left and right. Um, so they would bring in like these real, like these dudes was like ninjas. <laughs> they like, they come in and do the stunt and then they're like, okay, Ruffin, you come in and just do the end of the stunt at like 25% because we want to capture Marcus's facial expression while he's knocking somebody out. But I would watch them do it and be like, I'm so glad they're here. Because I, yeah. I can't do that. I can't do it. Yeah. We all have our roles to play, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, what is it? What is that feeling like of being like I'm forever immortalized in a video game? And it's and you. you know, it's it, <laughs> It's really, it's really beautiful, man. Uh, it, periodically, fans will just reach out on on Twitter or Instagram and just like either send art or uh, just the nicest messages, man. Or like some people, like I had one guy reach out to me. He was studying engineering at Stanford, and he was like, I, "I've never seen a representation of someone who wants to be a programmer in a video game. I can't tell you how much this means to me." Or you know, like. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just, it, you never know how it's going to reach people. Um, and from that standpoint, it's been a real blessing. Yeah. Do, you, do you find that uh, the fans with, with the game are more, or reach out to you more or more, more fan-ish than, than your characters in TV shows that you've done? Yeah, then, you know, there's, there's a, a certain type of ownership when you play a video game. You know, like I might have voiced the character and done some of the movements, but like, I'm not the one that's choosing how to play the mission, the player is. And so from that, you know, there that ownership sometimes, uh, it transmits over to the, the actual interaction from me to the fan, you know? And they're like, yo, I played as you. I, it's like, almost like, I, I am you, you know? I'm like, I appreciate you. And it's like, no, I, I, I'm glad you enjoyed the game, you know, like, yeah, uh, you, there's a fine balance, but um, the, the, the actual like diehard fans, man, on the other end of that spectrum is like, they're, they are ride or die, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they are down when Marcus wasn't announced for Legion, the, the most recent game initially, like people were sending me messages like they better, they better put us in the game, you know, like <laughs> they really they're, they're with it too, man. And from that standpoint, you can't beat it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I I thought it was odd that you weren't actually part of the sequel because I, I mean, like you know, the main character. Because I was like, you were such a huge impact. Like, because the reason why I thought they switched it for Watch Dogs one and two is because you know the reception of one. So that's why I thought, okay, they're giving me like a chance to reboot. But then when they went the London route, which totally the storyline makes total sense, but. I was interested why they didn't go that route with you. Was there, I mean, if you can you talk about that or? I, I mean, honestly, what I was told when we were wrapping up our game was that they were kind of already conceptualizing the next one. And the director of the game, he was like, there's no chance that you're coming back as the lead character. I just want you to know that. Not, it has nothing to do with your performance. You've done a great job, but it's look, yeah, I don't think there's a chance, you know? Um, but when they announced the DLC, I was disappointed. I was like, all right, all right, you can bring back some people. But, <laughs> she can bring back me. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely was disappointed. But at the same time, like Wrench is also yeah. a fan favorite. Huge fan know? favorite, yes. And Sean Bechu is he you want to talk about somebody who, like, you asked me, has this opened up doors for, for my video game career? Sean yeah. Bechu works in video games all the time That's so awesome. like when he get when he got wrench it was like his biggest character to date and sean knocked it out the park but he yep. knew he knew what gamers would want you know and it was a pleasure working with that dude he's we had a lot of fun man that's awesome uh mike just in case you don't know what he's talking about <laughs> uh <laughs> that's like places essentially his best friend i would say in the game yeah. right like um yeah and a lot of a lot of pivotal moments happen in that game with those two and yeah he was a huge part of the the watchdogs universe and the watchdogs game and then he came back in legion yeah um yeah. I, I think it's fascinating to see like the fandom behind watchdogs because especially deadsec because deadsec itself right almost became its own little fan thing right like it became such a it's uh and then mike just so you're aware deadsec is like a uh anonymous, <laughs> like yeah, an, it's anonymous. Yeah, yeah basically yeah right i, I kind of got that from the previews and, and video clips i watched of the game but that's what that was so i'm not completely uh, <laughs> embarrassing in front of our guests i just keep it real mike i always keep it real mike you know <laughs> thank you that's that uncle dad love sorry <laughs> um but ruffin um what did you think about the response globally though? Like, have you gotten, I mean, I'm sure it's cause it's affected everybody. Right. So it's like, I, cause I, I doubt you remember this, but a long, long time ago, I actually tweeted you on my personal account cause I had did some stuff in Japan and, okay. uh, there he was, remembers. A, <laughs> yeah, I doubt he does. I doubt he does. But, uh, I just touched Japan and they had a huge shrine at a store dedicated to watchdogs too. <laughs> Man, you know, and I'm not you asking did. you to remember, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's it's really been amazing because uh, we, a couple members of the cast, we did Montreal Comic-Con a year after the game came out. And like fans flew in from London, yeah. from, like from all over the, it was just, it was mind blowing that they came into Montreal. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, the response. I just had no clue how far the reach would go, you know? Um, yeah, I, I'm still, like, as I think about it now, I'm just blown away, you know? For sure, because, like, in Japan, it has a huge, at least when it, and during its prime of release, right. like, it was a huge, like, people loved it in Japan, man. It was everywhere. Everywhere, every store I went, it had something with Watch Dogs 2. And that's wow. very rare 
for an American game, right? Or at least not an American game, but like a Western game, right? Sure. And it, it, it was just so crazy to see that. And then it makes you think, well, it makes total sense because, you know, dealing with what we deal with, with the, the governments and stuff like that, it makes sense why that became like the voice of the international audience as well. So it's such a universal concept, right? Like every country has its own politics and manipulation. And I mean, government is meant to control people, you know? There are, there are good things that come from, from it for sure, of course, like structure and, you know, the way we live our lives. But sometimes those, those guidelines aren't fair, you know, not to everyone. And so it's, it's a universal thing for sure. You mentioned uh, going to the uh, Montreal Comic Con. Have you done other comic conventions? We, we do a lot of comic, comic conventions. I would sell my art, at many different ones. Have you kind of toured around and, and done conventions all over? We didn't, we didn't do a ton, man. And, you know, we thought the response was solid enough that UB might get behind us and push us out. And, but it didn't really happen. Uh, a couple guys have, that are in Montreal have done uh, Fan Expo in Toronto and Montreal Comic Con a couple of times. But I've, I've only done one, man. And, really? You know, yeah. <laughs> if, if, the, if, if the calls came in, I'd definitely do more. But uh yeah, it's, it's it, from that end, I was surprised, you know, because there are like I've got a friend who was in uh, our uh, what's it called? Oh, my gosh. Red Dead Redemption um, mm -hmm. and two. And uh, she's done a couple of like virtual Comic Cons, you know, like because yeah. everything shut down for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, if if someone wants me to be at their Comic Con, I will be there. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to reduce the request. Hey, there you go, there you go. Well, you know, I mean, as, as, as much of a following and fan following as this, this game has, I would imagine you'd be like a great guest to have. So yeah, let's, uh, I know some people that put on conventions, I'll put in a word. See, yeah, yeah. get you over here in the Bay Area. Yeah, they're gonna show you San Francisco. Oh, let's yeah. go, let's go. <laughs> I, only, I only know it through the game map, so. Oh, really? You're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll talk about that really quickly. So me and Mike always joke around that, uh, and, and I mean this with respect as much as I can, that San Francisco is a shithole. <laughs> How? <laughs> See, that's what most people think. How is that possible? It's yeah. one of the most expensive one, places to live. Exactly. That's where my mind goes. It's like, it's one of the most expensive places in the world. So how? Well, you are uh, one block, you were walking in what's called the Tenderloin, which is like the roughest part of San Francisco, there's like Skid Row, there's human yep. feces on the ground, there's needles on the ground, mm -hmm. people walking around mentally ill, on drugs, homeless, out of their minds, screaming, literally throwing shit out of their ass. And the next block you have a brand new high rise with a bunch of condominiums. So there's the, the gentrifications definitely happens, but also the cost of living is so much that people that, were able to afford housing there no longer can a lot of them just are homeless the trash is like <laughs> the game the san francisco in the game looks like a fantasy land yeah. san francisco it's like yeah the san francisco what it could be it, it's <laughs> and then you actually go there and you're like whoa what happened oakland can be even worse yes yes really yeah it's surprising I, and a lot of people don't realize that because it's tech and all the all these companies yeah. are out here but I mean, yeah. you know, all, outside of like the fog and like the gray sometimes that you get in pictures, like all the pictures of San Francisco, you get like the hills and the trolleys and the, 
you know, the bridge and you know, the redwoods. And, you know, it's just like, this looks beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean uh, to be fair, there is, is beautiful parts. Yes. It is. It is beautiful. But the, when you go into the cities and you go on some of the streets and you take BART, which is the, the train out here. Right, right, right. You would be shocked. Like you come out of some of the BART stations in Oakland and there's tents and just piles of garbage. And you're just like, what happened here? Like, was there a, a, a some kind of disaster? Like, it, it, right. it is kind of shocking. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, that's what you can look forward to seeing when you come <laughs> out here for uh, the big Silicon or whatever. Yeah, whatever, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting because I, I think that even, that's probably why another reason why it speaks so much to, like, the Bay Area for us with Watch Dogs 2, because DedSec represents so much of the people of of the san francisco bay area because to mike's point i mean it's it's so hard to live here man like it's mm -hmm. it's 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 too expensive i mean it's just right. it's a one-bedroom apartment a one-bedroom apartment in a in like the city can cost you anywhere from 3.5k to 6k higher you know what i mean like think about that like who can afford that <laughs> it's nuts it, you know nuts. what i mean who could afford that i mean this you know we live in new york and that's only certain parts of the city that feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I have such a resignation with, uh, with, um, Watch Dogs too, because it, it represents so much of that, like the idea of how we need to fight that and how we need to fight big tech and big government and how it's controlling that. Because I mean, a lot of the tech industry is the reason why it's too expensive to live out here. Right. That's right. You know, and I, and I, that really affects that whole neighborhood more than I could ever tell you. Like Oakland really isn't original. I mean, it, there's some of it that's original Oakland, but a lot of it is becoming gentrified. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie called Blind Spotting, but uh, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, all Great it takes movie. place. Yeah. And that's a like, takes and yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it takes place, you know, in Oakland and it tells the story of Oakland very well. And that is mm. the truth, you know. And I think, again, going back to like DeadSec, you, you, you see what they're trying to represent. And I guess on the more personal aspect, because, you know, we're from this area is, is I wish that DeadSec would have dived in that a little more, but I understand obviously it's different, right? You know, different game or not, but that'd be my only thing I would say, but it did such a great job of like t tackling, like taking on the quote unquote man, right? And um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It just, uh, that really, uh, that really hits me home when we think about that, because it's not fair that these tech companies are taking away homes from so many people. Yeah, you know? sure. Like driving yeah. up the rent and yeah, it just, uh, it's a tough thing, man, for sure. <laughs> For you, New York, I mean, I know you're a New York guy. I saw you, you went to Pitt also for your, yeah. your undergrad, right? So is, do you stay in New York for the type of work that you and your wife get there? Or why, why not uh, live in LA where there could be more opportunity? Or you, is there a reason you just love New York? Well, you know, like coming out of school, my wife also got her master's from NYU. Mm. We're, we're both from the South. I'm from Virginia originally, and she's oh. from Atlanta. Um, and so our families are on the East Coast, so it's closer. Uh, but you, I mean, at this point, you can audition for anything from New York, just like you can in LA. I mean, of course, like you, you're not in the room with the writers and the producers like you are in LA. So like for pilot season, we typically come out to LA just so that we can be in the room with the people instead of just sending a tape, you know, over the internet from the East Coast to the West Coast. and hoping somebody watches it. Um, now they got to deal with me in person and, you know, <laughs> we can, we can vibe off each other or not, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, 
uh, yeah, but uh, my wife also does some Broadway stuff. So you can only do that from New York and yeah. And you've done a lot of uh, theater work as well, right? Like yeah, I've done I've done a decent amount of regional theater and some stuff in New York, not Broadway yet, but you know, uh, you know, that's what my master program was was mainly focused on was theater. And so uh, when you come out, you know, you hope to get on the biggest stage and show your chops. Yeah. What is there a difference in the way you prepare or do you prefer Broadway or or not Broadway, but theater over over TV acting? I mean, there's they're so different, right? Like I got into acting because of what I saw on the television screen or what I saw in the movie theaters, you know, like, it's like, oh man, you know, the first time you go to a movie theater and like you see one of your, your heroes for me, that's like Denzel or Will Smith. And you're like, I want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's what the, the love for it came from is like wanting to be like those guys. But then like when you go to school and you study theater, you really get to see a different process, which is uh, you get rehearsal time and it's just more time to, to dig in. I find television and film to be super fast. You know, like you get one rehearsal and then they set up the shot and you shoot versus like you get a month and a half of rehearsal for theater or a month maybe. And you've run it so many times that, cause you gotta think you gotta do the whole performance in two hours, right? And it's one ride versus film and TV. I'm going to shoot this two minute scene here. And that might be the end of the, of the episode. And then right after that, I'm shooting a scene that happens four pages ahead of it. You know, there's no chronological journey. It's they're, they're different skill sets, but at the same time, I mean, I, I don't, I don't fancy one over the other one pays better. Mm. <laughs> which one which one <laughs> one pays better for sure but, it, but you know here's here's what i'll say with theater you get instant gratification right like you you come out and you say that first joke or whatever and the audience laughs and you're like we're we're all in this thing together right wow. television you do your thing and then you don't know how people are going to feel about it or how it's cut together until it airs and even then, you know, people might be like, man, that was whack, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Or right. your scene gets cut out of the episode, like whatever, you know? Yeah. But that was, you're in so much more control. With, yeah, the TV show. I mean, who knows what the editor does? Like, they could pick yeah. the wrong angle and it just, the, the shot doesn't work as well, right? Yeah, but, or it's uh, like or it's like the, the take where, like, you say you did five takes and the first one you were like, man, that was it. I don't know why we, why we're doing anything else. And then the director's like, well, try it this way. You know? all right, I'll try it, you know? <laughs> and then that's the one they go with. You're like, oh, come on. You know, like, you, you don't have as much control as just an actor. Now, if you're a producer or a director on top of it, you know, that's where I'm trying, you know, that's the actual mm -hmm. I'd like to get into that space, yeah. How do you go about like memorizing lines? I, I, that always fascinates me. Do you have just a great memory or is it is you have a technique that, that works or do you take some kind of uh what, omega three or something that like <laughs> some kind of some kind of something that helps? I mean supplements I, I mean, I, yeah. are definitely yeah. key. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think I, omega three has anything to do with memory. I just uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what a great pull. <laughs> I was about to go I, brother, I was about to go get some right now. <laughs> I was right there with you. Uh, I was like, really? I <laughs> uh, Honestly, uh, 
you know, different, different things like theater, you have so much time, right? Like, yeah. And you get so much repetition that I know when I cross to stage left and I, I know this line's coming up, you know, like, and I know what it is and you just, and you find it. But with television, what I like to do is I record the other characters' lines and I leave a space, you know, like I read my line out and take my time when I'm first learning it. Um, just leave a gap of silence. And so I run it back between the recording and myself while I learn them. And the first pass, I'll like play the first line and pause it. And I write out what my line is just to kind of make it feel like it's coming out of my body. These could be my words. And then it slowly starts to feel more and more like me. So, yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I think the, the process of acting is so fascinating. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that. For sure. Is there anyone that you, I mean, obviously maybe a Will Smith or a Denzel, is there anyone that you would love to work with that you, that you haven't, or like or someone on your radar, like, like Bruce Willis, like you want to do a scene with Bruce Willis, oh. you know, I mean, cause you've done a lot of action stuff. So I would assume yeah. he's, on there somewhere, maybe. Hold on, hold on. I need to give full disclosure here. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why he brought up Bruce Willis is because this guy loves Bruce Willis. Mike, show him the tattoo. You got a Bruce Willis tat? Oh, know. come on. Come <laughs> on. Have you yeah. seen, have you seen, uh, it's the Key and Peele spit, skit um, mm -mm. Uh, about Liam Neeson? I haven't, then, no. Oh. You, you gotta, gotta look it up, but then they kind of riff on, and they bring in Bruce Willis. You gotta look it up. <laughs> I will. They're like, they're like uh uh ballets at a hotel. Oh and they're just sitting out there and they're talking about what movies they like and what actors they like. You gotta check it out. They call I'll him check it out. You call him Bruce Willie. You talking about Bruce Willie? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, gotta check it out. But uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna pivot from actors. I would love to work with Christopher Nolan, man, as mm. a director, you know, like. Uh, Inception and just the, the feel of his movies, they feel so epic. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to be in one of his films and have like a nice meaty role or the yeah. role, you know, I would love to do that, man. Yeah. Did you enjoy Tenet? You know, Tenet, it took me a couple of times. I had to watch it like two or three times to be like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, but, you know, after I, the concept is so massive mm -hmm. that I, I had nothing but uh, utter respect for the undertaking and what they put into it. Um, but it definitely is something you gotta watch a couple times. Like if you watch it once, you, even, if you, even if you watch it like halfway through, you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I don't, know, true. I, I don't know if I'm gonna make it through the first pass, but I, okay. I, was, I love his work so much that I was like, I gotta do it again. And I watched it a couple more times and I was like, man, this is, it's massive. Um, how they play with time. Uh, it's really cool to watch. There is something that when you're watching his films, like every scene, you're right, it does. It feels big. Yeah. It just feels like something big is happening. Or there's, there's, but yes, I was also very lost in, in <laughs> watching that movie and <laughs> probably need another chance with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I watched him. I wouldn't give it like a big gap, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause right. you're gonna forget, like watch them. <laughs> Let me jump back in tomorrow. <laughs> you, you know what I think is a really relevant Christopher Nolan movie right now is Interstellar. Um, 
<laughs> you know, when you think about what's happening in the world, like space travel and whatnot, and how that's becoming yeah. more, whatever, it's like, and we think about the world and how it's, you know, it's unfortunately failing. And uh, Interstellar, I think, really pushes that concept of like, well, what do we do next? What is time? What is time? <laughs> what is time? What is time? And time is nothing. <laughs> I mean, like, you know. It, it keeps us it keeps us sane and drives us crazy at the same time, right? Like, uh, but like, oh, what was that movie? Arrival. You guys see Arrival? Oh yeah. Also dealing with time, right? Yes. And I really enjoyed that movie because they view time as uh, as a circle, right? Like mm-hmm. it's 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 not a linear thing. And if we like the idea of uh, accepting that concept and not like fearing death or birth or you know that whole thing like i feel like that's what we're we're all pushed up against it's like we have this much time to do what we need to do but if you had peace with that man like be be a pretty beautiful thing so yeah that is that is very well said um you know on the subject of acting and stuff i feel like the point of like making it and as an actor now like as far as like i guess a financial status is a marvel movie right like that that's the that's the pinnacle right like that's what i think of now i mean maybe i'm wrong but i, I you know do you i mean obviously I, I would imagine you'd want to be in a marvel movie right <laughs> hands down uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know i was I, I watched this interview with uh mahershala ali the other day uh yes. on the breakfast club and he was talking about blade yes um and he was like yo like when you when you sign on to do a marvel movie, movie like they own you like, mm. like, it's like, you could be doing something else and they call you like, hey, we need you. <laughs> Look, I gotta go guys. Like, uh, we'll get this take tomorrow. You know, <laughs> you gotta, mm. it's like the bat signal goes up, you know, which doesn't make sense because we're talking Marvel versus DC. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, but you get, you get what I'm saying. Um, no, man, I would love to do that. Please, I, I'm going to see Spider-Man tonight. So no spoilers. Um, well, funny thing, no. <laughs> 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 I would spoil it for you and Mike. That'd be horrible. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. So, so you a big comic book guy? Were you into comics growing up? You know, more so uh, watch the cartoons. You know, um, sure. But of course, I would get comic books. I, yeah, the issue is, I I did not like reading. Um, <laughs> and you're an actor. You have to read lines. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, how did I end up being an actor? I don't. I you know. I, I must really love this thing because I'm doing something that as a kid, I was like, I will never. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, you know, I, I definitely owned comic books. I wasn't a huge collector. Uh, a lot of X-Men, um, mm. which still like, can I do that? That would be. Okay. Who would, anyways, you, who would you be? Who would you be in the X-Men? Oh, mm. man. Like if they it said. It doesn't make any sense because I can't play him. But I mean, my favorite X-Men of all time is Gambit. Uh, Why can't you play him? Because <laughs> Gambit does not look like me. Yeah, but in today's but, world, that's changing, man. <laughs> I don't, but is it? You know, like I feel like these companies are staying pretty traditional to what is on the original page. Outside of Spider-Man, don't any of you <laughs> ever ruin this for me? No, uh, no. I mean, the boundaries are being pushed, but I don't know if I can play Gambit. But of course, Mike, I get it. New Orleans. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I get, yeah. I get, I get. Have you been in? I'm assuming you've been in New Orleans. I have been to New Orleans. I yeah. Have. And so yeah. you would, 
you would you would uh, have a to take on that kind of Cajun accent because uh, and you know no, it's it's such a specific because you know like I feel like you can flirt with Southern accents and like f- flow into Texas and flow into Georgia and you know like it's it's easier to transition but that New Orleans Cajun Creole it's mm-hmm. a it's a different beast man um, there are parts of it that almost sound like like New York it's it's really interesting sounds in there but uh i don't know if you guys saw the harder they fall um it's uh it's based in new orleans right no 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 i I don't i don't think it's in new orleans but it's it's like it's like a black western you know uh jonathan majors from lovecraft countries in it uh idris idris elba's in it yes um it's a it's a really fun western like they did a great job but Regina King decided to take on a New Orleans accent for it. And I was like, what an interesting choice, but it mm. stands out like that. Yeah, man, it's, it's such a strong choice. It would be a lot of fun to find. So then what we're saying is, yes, you will play Gambit. <laughs> Give me the cards, baby. Give me the cards. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know who I, I could see you in if we're talking about like changing, you know, representation and stuff. I actually think it'd be cool to see you as uh, Cyclops. Cyclops would be dope. Uh, (laughs) But you know who I also always love? Colossus, man. Yeah. 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 Like give me my Russian accent and and put me all in uh in in metal, you know, like do it. But which version of Colossus? I don't know. Because <laughs> there's so many. I mean, there's a gay colossus. There's a young colossus. There's a there's the Deadpool colossus. There's so many now. You know, <laughs> not not Deadpool colossus. Okay. Yeah. yeah good. Yeah. That was like kind of dumb colossus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't right? get that at all. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not, not that colossus. <laughs> I can I can definitely say no to that one. Multiple choice. Not not that one. Not that one. No, gotcha. Um, well, that's awesome that you're they're big into comics too and stuff and. And, uh, and on the subject of representation and stuff, I think it's, you know, you talk about like representation of like comic book characters and, you know, I can't play him because, you know, I don't look like him, but I think we need to kind of, I think as we continue to change that, that needs to change too, right? Like, why can't, why can't you, why can't you be, you know, not saying that I know, we, I know why you can't, right. But like, why can't we challenge that question of like, and that's why I think comic books, at least in the paper aspect are great because, you know, the print aspect, they're making characters, gay, uh, trans, bi, um, all over the place now, right? And I I don't know, I think representation is mattering more. And going back to to back to Watch Dogs, that's what makes your character so great is because you were a representation of a a lot of different communities in one. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know, sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, I mean, I, I think that's the beautiful thing about comic books, like from the beginning, they've always been pushing the boundary as far as it could be pushed, right? And now that social norms are opening up as they should. Um, it's, it's beautiful to see that they're opening up how they, how they are presenting characters, right? Um, how that translates to the international movie market and television market. I, I think we're, we're definitely moving towards that, but you know, they, they've been uh, trying to vote in a black 007 for years. Yeah. And, you know, the campaigns for like Idris Elba and I just don't, you know, it's also something that's hard to make happen. So yeah. then you go to like classic comic book characters. I mean, you know, just here, here's what I'll say. Uh, if we switch to like DC, just let me play Green Lantern. I'll be Jon Stewart and we're good, you know? Like, oh, 
Nice call. Yeah. You can you can just give me the ring and yeah. And and they haven't, I I don't think they've cast a job. Maybe they have, and who knows? But we need I'd a new them. we need a new Green Lantern movie for God, sure. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. do. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially after after Ryan Reynolds makes all his jokes about himself. Exactly. From his own Green Lantern movie. Yeah, I mean he knows. He Deadpool. knows what he, yeah. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um one more thing I want to ask is or mention is that you know in in what we're talking about there are seems like there are some characters that people are willing to kind of stretch those boundaries and, and mm-hmm. there are some that that there aren't you know like you know probably me superman or batman or you know so i do think going forward and i hope that you know those boundaries get pushed less and less and you know it's a uh, everyone can see themselves in these roles and i think for a lot of people that really helps like them choose their path and and you know like you saw who you saw as a kid and that inspired you to do what you're doing now and you followed right. the path that has led you to where you're at now whatever that was and um so anyway i just think it's important for people to be able to see themselves in these major Absolutely. major roles and and, and stuff so. yeah I, I saw stan lee it was a old interview of him talking about spider-man and how him being fully masked and in, in 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 his uh uniform or costume um, was an accident, but it's a beautiful accident because it allows anyone to envision themselves under the mask. Sure. Um, and I, I definitely think, you know, that's that's the way that it's moving, you know? For sure. I, I, it's so interesting. Like my wife always, she's like, what does it take for, what, what's it gonna take for everybody to come together and realize like we're all human? And I'm like, these movies have been telling us what it's gonna take. Mm-hmm. We're gonna need aliens to show up and realize we gotta stick together. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> in in any alien invasion movie, it's like, forgive me for anything I said to you. Can I can I come in your house, please? Because they out here, you know, like yeah. it, it doesn't matter. Like we all are one race at that time. The only so, thing, that's, yeah, it's gonna bring us together is is another <laughs> alien attack on the whole world, and then we'll finally have world peace, and we'll all be holding hands and singing songs together. Aliens, where y'all at? But come come peacefully, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to add one last thing to the uh, to the Spider-Man talk about the representation. I feel like, I'm just going to call this right now, that Miles Morales is going to be the most important Spider-Man to ever be made. Because I think Peter Parker has had his course, and I've said this for a long time, that I think Peter Parker is an old idea. You know, and I think Miles Morales represents, you know, he represents the Hispanic community, the black community, you know, uh, and I, I think it's that to me is going to be the biggest impact in the future. And I think his comic book is going to have the craziest value at mm. some point down the, down the line. I just wanted yeah. to throw that little thought in there. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mike, you were talking about uh, certain roles and it made me think about, you know, Michael B. Jordan played. Johnny, John, what's his Johnny Storm? Is that his name? Johnny mm-hmm. Flame, right? No. Flame, Johnny yeah, Flame. Yeah. yeah, in in uh, Fantastic Four. Yes, and you know he got a lot of like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of feedback about it. You know, so they, they were signing a petition or something, though, right? I heard, yeah, like to get him out of there. Yeah, so Crazy. you know, it's and he's one of the biggest stars on the planet right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. and he's doing that Superman movie. You know about that? Yeah, he's Whoa. doing a in, in one of the 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 in DC they have the different Earths, right? And right. one of the Earths there's a black Superman. He's doing the black oh. Superman. 
No, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, he's producing it and everything. That's so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's going to be a huge deal when it comes out. Yeah, so for, for sure. all the people who hated on him, very fantastic for jokes on your face. The only thing that was true is that that wasn't a very good movie. That's a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a different <laughs> <story>. <laughs> um, But yeah, you know, we have to kind of wrap it up here, but I've, I've really enjoyed chatting with you yeah. about Watch Dogs 2 and not just about that, but just about movies. And we don't really get to talk to too many like actors on our show. So I think, I think you're one of the few actors we've had on the show. So thank you so much. And, oh, nice. and you're definitely the, the first major like video game actor we have on the show. So thank you coming on and talking to us about all this fun stuff that's watchdogs too celebrating five years and you know hopefully hopefully we will see marcus return in an official watchdogs 3 because technically they didn't call it watchdogs 3 legion oh they didn't so that's that's a big thing so but before we go and wrap up i have to ask you uh where can our audience find you uh yeah uh i'm on instagram and twitter my handle is r my first initial my last name, Prentice, P-R-E-N-T-I-S-S-I-I-I. And you can at me at that, R-Prentice, I-I-I. I'm the third, guys. Uh, my dad and my grandfather. If I have a son, I got to go the fourth. Just mm -hmm. be aware it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can happen? find me. How <laughs> 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 Wait, actually, it reminds me. Congratulations, by the way. You just had a kid, hey. right? Thank you, man. Thank you. My yeah. my daughter is going to be turning one on Christmas Day. That's right. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 She's she's uh she actually just my wife was shooting a show for Disney Plus called Turner and Hooch, and my <laughs> daughter is in the last episode of that show. Wait, hold so on. She's, okay. Turner and Hooch, yeah. like the like the old Tom Hanks one. Old Tom Hanks. It turned <laughs> into a series. Uh, <laughs> Josh Peck is playing his son in the future um tom hanks's son in the future so uh, yeah <laughs> interesting that's awesome man well, i'll definitely yeah, have to watch that we'll definitely have to watch that maybe yeah. we can have your wife on the show one day yeah Ooh. hey put in a good word for us <laughs> yeah, yeah put in a good word for us please you know i, I think i could do that i think okay. I could. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try to talk to some cons and get you there like that's and that's no joke <laughs> Ooh, I'm, I'm definitely down man awesome man it's awesome well, thank you so much, Ruffin. We really appreciate your time and uh, happy birthday. Happy anniversary to Watch Dogs 2 and uh, happy new year because this is our new year special. So thank you. Happy oh, new man, year. Beautiful. Yeah, I hope you happy have a new year, year, guys. Yes. Thank you for yeah. having me. This is an absolute pleasure. Absolutely, right, man. man. Take you. care. Ruffin, take care of yourself and we'll talk soon, okay? You too. All right. See ya.